Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Andrew. And the interesting thing about this film, or the most interesting thing about this film that I found, is that they took the one character that the audience could relate to and <laughs> feel feel good about, removed her from the universe that they've created for this film, and then you're left with the sociopaths. And it's... <laughs> It, it's a it's, it's a lonely place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel you, man. Um, in fact, I was going to say something similar. This is Phil, <laughs> your other co-host. I got four words for you. I miss Emily Blunt. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I. Yeah, I also miss uh, Denis Villeneuve. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And Roger Deakins. And Roger Deakins. Although I will say, as far as action films go, I have, or thrillers, political thrillers, mm-hmm. I have some good things to say about this film. Some very good things to say. But uh, mm-hmm. the pedigree makes it, I think, puts puts this film in a bad place. <laughs> anyway, sure, we'll get into yeah. all of that in a moment. Today's film is Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Uh, it is the follow-up to Sicario, the previous film. Um, which had the pedigree that we just mentioned, all of those wonderful people working on it, including the people who are in this film, Benicio, Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin, who are reprising their characters from the first film, uh, and the writer, Taylor Sheridan, who wrote the first film, along with a string of extremely, extremely good and popular and well-regarded films that he's been doing. He's on a hot streak. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about all that in a minute, but first I want to tell you how to find us on the web. You can go to our website at www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. You can either go there or go to our Facebook page, which is at In The Q, uh, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. You can like the page there, and on either of those forums, you can leave us feedback about the podcast, or you can leave us suggestions of films that you would like to come on the show and talk about. We will bring you on the show, we will talk about those films, and it'll mm-hmm. be a good time all around. Oh yeah. Um, also, if you like our Facebook page, you'll get a lot of interesting supplemental material uh, posted there that is often fun to read about or watch with regards to the films that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Twitter by searching for at ITQ podcast. That's our Twitter handle and you can engage us in conversation there. Or lastly, you can subscribe to the podcast, just the podcast, nothing else, just the podcast, ma'am. Uh, and <laughs> you can do that by going to a podcast aggregator like iTunes or Overcast and subscribing to the podcast. And then every single episode will be delivered right to you. Indeed. So, without any further ado, today's film is Sicario, Day of the Soldado. I know who you are. You're the attorney whose family they killed. Not they. My father. And now you hunt them. Adios. There's proof the cartel helped the terrorists get to the border. President's adding drug cartels to the list of terrorist organizations. You can understand how that will expand our ability to combat them. You want to see this thing through? I'm going to have to get dirty. 
dirty is exactly why you're here. Who are you going to help us start a war? With who? Everyone. No rules this time. start a war between the Mexican cartels. Not with the Mexican government. This girl was witness to the mission, correct? Yes, sir. We can't risk her falling into the wrong hands. Clean the scene. They want me to cut ties. You gotta get rid of her. I can't do that. Don't put me in that situation. You gotta do what you gotta do. I'm gonna need a strike team to a Blackhawks. Drones with attack capability. Where's the coup? Mexico. You have no reason to trust me. But trusting me is how you're gonna survive. Good luck. Luck doesn't live on this side of the border. Intense. Intense. Gritty. All the macho adjectives you can think of. Indeed, yeah. Uh, very A very testosterone-heavy film. Yeah, this film is... It picks up where the original film left off, in a manner of speaking. Uh, Josh Brolin, who works for the United States government, but not in an official capacity as a kind of mercenary uh, for the U S government. He is tasked with the unenviable job of starting a Mexican drug cartel war uh, by (laughs) kidnapping the daughter of one of the kingpins uh, and making it look like another cartel kidnapped her. Uh, Benicio del Toro reprises his role as the titular Sicario uh, or assassin uh, mm-hmm. who is kind of his uh, inside man, his guy who can get the job done when all else fails, his go-to guy uh, who can really execute both literally and figuratively <laughs> a job and, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and so everything seems to be going to plan until it isn't anymore. And then suddenly uh, what was previously an asset becomes a liability. Uh, it kind of outlines that in the trailer. And uh, everybody's loyalties get shaken up. And they have mm-hmm. to fight the battles that they are tasked with fighting. And sometimes that's with others. Sometimes that's in between the buddies the way mm-hmm. together, uh, you know. All yeah, that. yeah. Uh, there are a couple of uh, subplots. Uh, one is the, the plot involving the young girl who is being kidnapped. Uh, there's a subplot about a young gang member uh, who, that we also kind of follow. Uh, he lives on the uh, American side of the border and then sort of gets recruited into bringing people illegally across the border and uh, all of the kind of attendant criminality that goes along with that in terms of moving drugs and all that kind of fun stuff. 
And these stories intersect one another and then diverge and kind of intersect. And we see where all of that happens. It's a very complex script by Taylor Sheridan, uh, which is kind of what he specializes in. As I said, he's had a string of really excellent films, Hell or High Water, which was, of course, very, very highly praised and nominated for several Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wind River last year, which was very well received uh and was quite a quite an interesting film he's he's doing great and he's he's kind of made his specialty this these kind of procedural pot boilers uh i i read somewhere somebody compared this film to the uh clear and present danger and uh uh whatever the other one is other ones are in that franchise the patriot games patriot games yeah. uh, Uh, yeah uh the the harrison ford political cold war franchise from the nineties. Sure. Uh, it's kind of the modern iteration of that. And I think that that is a pretty apt comparison and I'll let you sort of, uh, express your feelings about this in a moment, Phil, but I enjoyed this film very much. I thought that it was a really excellent political thriller in that vein. I do not think that it holds a candle to its predecessor, which is an extraordinary film uh, artistically, uh-huh. as well as uh, being a really interesting uh, political thriller. Uh, but I do think that I do think that if they wanted to make a franchise out of this, which I was shocked when they announced that this movie was being made, if they wanted to make a franchise out of this, what they've done makes a lot of sense. And they are making a Sicario three. So I mean, this film ends very open-endedly. So good on them. They've accomplished that task, but... Right, but what were you going to say? What's the but for you? But the original Sicario was so good. I think the original... Yeah. The original succeeds on levels that this one does not. And uh, sure, you had Denis Villeneuve, you had Roger Deakins... Sure. And uh, and you had Emily Blunt. And those yeah. are three powerhouses that you don't have this go around. And Daniel Kaluuya, th- too. Daniel Kaluuya. And I think that you've got – I think that the ace in the hole for this go around is actually Josh Brolin. Mm. Um, he, I think his character kind of takes center stage, even, even more so than Benicio Del Toro, even though they're kind of like the, the co-captains of the film. Sure. Um, and you, if you look at the poster as I am now, they both have equal graphic weight uh, in terms yes. of what their significance uh, appears to be. Um, yeah, I didn't like this one as much as as the original, like like you two. Um, I have to say, I found this to be a very very bleak experience <laughs> uh, to watch. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and and from the get go, it starts off in a really really provocative way yeah Um, i didn't even include that in my summary how silly of me (laughs) yeah i mean i really i mean if if the openings of a film is meant to kind of set the tone for what's to come i mean this one opens with a series of of uh suicide bombings um which in a costco no less yeah and uh and if you're like me you know going into a film about us mexico border conflicts you don't necessarily expect there to be 
uh, you know, uh, a series of of uh, terrorist bombings that seemingly have nothing to do with the border wars. Sure. Uh, um, and it was just, I think, I think Taylor Sheridan knew that he was going to be hooking people uh, in the beginning, and he wanted to yeah. hook people. Um, and I, I do kind of miss a little bit more of a balance to the masculine aggression that's constantly on display in this film. Yeah. And you, know, you kind of got that with Isabella Monaire, who is the kind of like the young child who's uh, the counterpoint to Benicio del Toro's uh, Sicario figure. And he kind of takes the role of her protector and guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but that trope in and of itself, I think, is something that I'm fairly familiar with from other movies. And uh, it didn't really break any new ground for me. Sure. Um, I Yeah, I, I think that uh, the sequel, the attitude, the overall attitude of, of all the all the writing that Taylor Sheridan did in this film, like it's, it's extremely cynical of, of the U S government. Oh yeah. Uh, it's extremely cynical about everything. And, yeah. and then it kind of, despite all that, it asks you to care and to kind of, uh, believe in certain characters and, and love certain characters. When I kind of see this as, as a very kind of nihilistic vision, um, and I, I, yeah. I don't know. It was kind of a chore for me to sit through, honestly. Yeah, I can understand that, and I think that you're, you're right about that. And I think that um, I got a little nervous when when the film opened because I was really worried that it was going to really lean heavily into kind of this jingoistic, like, uh, you know, turn into this movie about terrorists from the Middle East instead of about the the border, which the first film does an excellent job of kind of mining the idea that this, these people who are policing the border are living in a moral gray area. (laughs) And in order to quote unquote, do their jobs properly on either side of the border, they have to be willing to sacrifice some level of morality, which is why Emily Blunt's character is so important for that film because she is the audience surrogate, you know, we experience the film through her eyes mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of kind of the amazing climactic encounter with Benicio del Toro from the original film, which is still one of my favorite things I've seen in, in the movie theater in years. And, but we experience the movie through her eyes and, you know, the film closes with her and, and us kind of coming to a really ambiguous resolution and I think that that the movie <laughs> leans into that idea of it being really hard to assign moral authority to any given action that somebody has taken in this mm-hmm. in this constant tug of war. And I think that this film doesn't really bother with that question it is it is ultimately on paper about the moral ambiguity sure Mm -hmm. but uh but i i think that 
it it's definitely in the way that it's directed in the way that it is written to some extent it's definitely on the side of the people who are willing to transgress in order to keep order so to speak right it's sort of uh-huh. like these are the sacrifices that must be made in order to keep order which is why i was worried about it becoming really jingoistic because that's a very that's a very kind of <laughs> nationalist uh very uh authoritarian viewpoint to yeah. to say you know in order to keep order you have to be willing to do what the bad guys are doing it you know it's it's dangerous morality in in my mind mm-hmm. and yeah. uh and i think that this film doesn't buy as much into the idea that uh that there's any kind of moral conflict, right? These people mm-hmm. are acting either on orders in the case of Josh Brolin's character or on their heart in the case of Benicio del Toro's character. And it, it, it becomes a much more simplistic film. And I say that, and it makes it sound like I'm saying that this is a bad movie. I still enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> I enjoyed it certainly a lot more than you did. It sounds like, yeah, um, because I, I I did find it to be nihilistic and 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 a uh, you know all of that, but uh, that doesn't bother me as much. I enjoy really cynical, depressing, nihilistic films. It's, some of my favorite films are are all of those <laughs> things. Uh, but it, you know, it's <laughs> as, as I said before, with a pedigree like this film has. It's hard to look at it and not say, oh, but if only they had maintained this or that. Well, it sounds like uh, Denis Villeneuve's lack of involvement was really just based on that he was busy making other movies. Yeah. It's not that he disagreed with where Taylor Sheridan was taking the story. Sure. Um, In fact, uh, uh, Taylor Sheridan didn't want... Emily Blunt for this script. He thought that her arc was completed in the first film. I, w- I would agree with and, that. And yeah, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't in his vision. So uh, it sounds like had Denis Villeneuve been available, uh, he would have he would have continued in this vein that that the script was departing from. Well, I think, uh, and, and he might have made it uh, a film. You know, that maybe I would have liked more or probably you would have liked more, too. I would say that that's almost certain. Yeah. Um, what they got for this film was they, they got a gentleman by the name of Stefano Solima, who's an Italian director who mm-hmm. I have not seen anything that he's done. He's done a huge amount of Italian television uh, and you know, a few shorts on top of that, but the Italian television that he's done his, from my understanding is crime dramas, action oriented crime stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was a good pick for the substance of this, but not a, not necessarily, I think to do what Villeneuve does, because when you look at, at Denis Villeneuve's <laughs> at this point, incredible body of work thus far, yeah, really. He he really plums the depth of the human psyche in all of his films. He's really interested in the inner mind of his protagonists. I mean, you look at Blade Runner 2049, you look at uh, Incendier, 
you look at uh, Arrival, you know, all of these are, are films that are very thoughtful films in addition to being thrilling and fun and, mm-hmm. and, and visually mind blowing uh, prisoners also, uh, you know, I mean, sure, like he's, yeah. he's, he's very, he's very interested in morality and, and what makes people make the choices that they make. You and, know, what's an interesting one too, that you didn't mention is enemy. Oh yeah. 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 A- enemy is enemies a little bit different too, because yeah. it's, it's extremely surreal. It's, yeah. it's, you know, you could say that all of the other films are, you know, fairly uh, naturalistic or realistic. You know, yeah. like you could say, yes, it's clear that these things did happen. But Enemy, uh, I haven't read the source material that it's based on, but it's a it's a weirdly symbolic kind of allegorical story. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I think that, I mean, he's clearly an auteur, right? He is, sure. he is a, he is someone who is working at a very high level of artistic achievement and, uh, he's making rollicking entertainment at the same time as making really interesting, thoughtful films. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so you could, I, I would imagine that had he taken the reins on this film, it would have been more thoughtful. He would have found, you know, it, it's, it's the kind of thing where, uh, you think about, somebody like Stanley Kubrick directing the shining, which I know you just saw recently on the big screen. Yeah. And you think about the fact that he read the book, the shining or actually any of the films that he adapted into uh, that he adapted books into film. He would read that book and then he would pick out the things that were meaningful to him. And then that's what he would put on screen. The things that meant something to him, right? He didn't just put the, and that's what pisses people off about the shining, for instance, is that it isn't just a direct translation of the book. Well, Stanley Kubrick wasn't interested in a direct translation of the book. He was interested in the themes and the elements of the book that spoke to him. And I feel like Villeneuve probably does that exact same thing with his films. Like he gets a script and then he plums the depths of that script to find the things that are meaningful to him. And then that's what ends up on screen. And then that's why it's so interesting to watch his films. Uh, and I, and I don't think that happened here here. It's just, I, I, I think that the comparison to Patriot games and, and clear and present danger is perfect because it feels like that kind of a film where there's no real depth to it. You know, there's not a whole lot behind the facade, but the facade is interesting. It's good political intrigue. It's good action. It's good fun, uh, mm-hmm. fun, fun, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I can't criticize a film for not being made by somebody that didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, and you know, sequels always suffer the uh, the burden of being compared to their predecessors. Of course, of course. And um, you know, this guy Stefano Salima, I haven't seen his other works, but like as you were saying, he does a lot of TV, and yeah. judging from the posters of his series, they all look kind of like the same kind of grim. <laughs> Uh, uh, crime-ridden type fare. Yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting to kind of think too. I always love it when a filmmaker from another country will make a film about the U.S. And this is a film about the U.S. and Mexico, but this is a director <sighs> who is from Italy, 
and has oh, yeah, his own yeah. take, his own his own kind of detachment. <clears throat> yeah. And so so he he brings uh, this outsider perspective. And I think the outsider perspective in art is my personal favorite. Uh, it's it's, uh, you know, seeing seeing the familiar in an unfamiliar way. And, you know, this is this whole drug war uh story is you know i can't say that it's familiar to me because i i don't know i don't follow the politics of it but um i you get the impression that he's not out to to really vilify or glorify with this film no I no think no that he's he just the movie starts with a title card saying you know the drug cartel control immigration in between the U.S. and Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, that's like a <laughs> terrifically bleak thing <laughs> to to hear yeah. if you care at all about what happens in that part of the, of North America. And yeah, I guess you get the impression that he is just kind of like it's like Stefano Salima is just kind of like sitting next to you and saying, isn't this fucked up? Like, uh, look at, look at how messy and complicated this whole clusterfuck of a situation is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And that's kind of, it's like a whole, I believe one of the, one of the terms I used in a previous podcast that you seemed to like was like describing a whole, a whole scenario as like a grotesque symphony. You know, it's like, you've got, you've got, uh, criminals on both sides you've got uh corruption on both sides and you know it's like sicario day of the soldado like you're you have to be an assassin and a soldier to survive Mm -hmm. and it's it's that kind of attitude where uh there are no winners basically and it's an interesting it's an interesting philosophy to kind of base a film on and uh i'll be honest i didn't really like it that much but uh yeah it was it was an interesting uh provocative vision especially in an era where i think a lot of people are are being very careful about being politically correct and everything with their you know mainstream fare sure and i think you know it's certainly despite the fact that it's fiction and, 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 you know, maybe based on some thread of fact, but very fictional. I mean, it, you might even say it, it, it comes close to sort of pushing our, our, our belief in what can or cannot happen towards the end of the film. Uh, but, uh, but I think that if this is, this kind of thing is of interest to you, the, the mm. politics of the, of the border, um, and I'm I'm actually in the middle of reading a, a book called The Cartel by Don Winslow, which was a big bestseller a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and it's fascinating and really good. It's a really good book, um, and it's it's similarly bleak, <laughs> and uh, and cynical and and kind of uh, not very uh, positive in its outlook. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So maybe this is just the kind of thing that's up my alley. But uh, but I think it's up a lot of pe- other people's alleys as well because these th- these things do really well. Um, but this film, I think, it, yeah, it does have that very negative bent to it. Um, but I think it functions in this in a similar way to the way that we kind of viewed the Russians during the Cold War 
it's, uh-huh. that's kind of shifted to the Mexican border uh, as as a, a hotbed of intrigue and uh, politics and you know all of the the craziness that goes along with that you know double crossings and who can you trust can you can only trust yourself and even your allies are against you and all that fun stuff mm-hmm. it's it's here yeah yeah i think i think you're right that you know if you were if they were making this movie in the 80s for example yeah probably be the russians would be the ones that are both uh that are the other to us they yeah. are the the enemy and yet there is still some cooperation happening. There is still some, uh, some identification happening between these two superpowers. Sure. And, uh, you know, sure. I think this is a topical film and, uh, I, I wonder how it plays in Mexico. I'm, I'd be curious about that. Yeah, probably pretty decently. I mean, I mean, on a base level, it, it does function as a, Hollywood thriller pretty solidly. So I can't imagine that people are parsing it too much and being like, this is, in fact, I would say that in the end, based on kind of the discussion we've already had, I would say it's actually in some ways remarkably apolitical. Uh, It's really more concerned with just the twists and turns and the, Mm -hmm. the double crossings. And, and at this point we're so invested in the lives of these two main characters that that's really all that the movie concerns itself with. So, yeah. 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 I don't think, I don't think people are going to walk away from it being, being like, well, I don't like the politics of that movie. Well, maybe they will. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> that it's, it's a, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, I, I didn't like it that much. I mean, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but I, I, for me, the, the, the biggest, the biggest point of entry to appreciating it was Josh Brolin. And not to say that I liked him that much or loved him, which I did not, but I thought that his performance was the most, uh, He's great. the best. It was the best. I thought that he, he understood that he was playing this, basically a moral cowboy who worked for the U S government. And, uh, I also, uh, with some amusement noted that Josh Brolin does seem to be the go-to actor for a lot of <laughs> conservative minded films. Yeah. Uh, or, 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 or maybe, you know, Republican fair, like, uh, the one where he was like the fire captain or whatever. Um, <laughs> And some other he's, films, and he's not quite and, as big on that front as Mark Wahlberg is, but he's he's probably <laughs> number two behind him. Yeah, and and it, it's just kind of funny the way it all comes together too, because uh, Taylor Sheridan, when his most recent project is a is a TV show about called Yellowstone, which I yeah. assume is takes place in uh, Montana, and it's a Kevin Costner vehicle, and Kevin Costner is like the liberal american poster child you know for for movies like jfk and field of dreams and dancing and what, with wolves dancing with wolves yeah uh yeah so uh josh brolin was in only the brave um <laughs> and uh let's see what else yeah i was he in I, was I he in think... the that uh what was the the uh jason reitman film that nobody went and saw 
Labor Day. Labor Day. He was in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, Gangster Squad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although, I, yeah, I mean, he's he's such a great screen presence. He's he's just enjoyable to watch no matter what. I feel like ever since No Country for Old Men, he's been in high demand in in that kind of role, right? He's kind of sure. been doing the same thing for a while. Yeah, I mean, he was he was great in Inherent Vice. And he yeah, was, he yeah. was he was playing the conservative character as a comedic figure. Moto you know, he, was this, he was the flat top, you know, uh, policeman. Yeah, yeah. Who, who was the detective Bigfoot Bjornsson? You know, like he was he was the one who was hunting the hippies. You know, he <laughs> yeah. was trying to track them down and, and snuff them out. So I think you know, I, I it's it's kind of curious to me wondering like how how actors feel about sometimes getting. Uh, pigeonholed or or favored for their political audience sure, or political sure. appeal like how many people kind of think well you know a job's a job or how many people really do believe that their fans and and them share the same political ideas i don't know man i think <laughs> i think james woods can probably tell you <laughs> james woods it seems like he doesn't even act anymore he just tweets yeah, he, well, he he claims he got, he just got dropped by his agent, and he says okay. it's because of his political, how you know his political opinions. I would say it's because you're a reckless asshole when you tweet, but like you know who yeah. am I? What do I know? No, I think it's got to be from the tweets, man. Yeah, of course. Anyway, I think that that uh, concludes our podcast on Sicario: Day of the Soldado. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was a, a good thriller. I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, a perfectly serviceable follow-up to an extraordinarily great film. Uh, mm. I would say that if you have not seen the original Sicario, certainly see that first. In fact, uh, this movie will work probably without that information, but it probably helps this movie to have seen the first one. Uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll just have to wait and see if uh, episode three comes out. Yeah, I'm... I'm curious, I must say. And this this movie's been doing pretty well, so I, I feel like they're... I mean, they definitely left it open for episode three at the end of this movie. So yeah. I, I can't imagine that they're not going to do it. Uh, yeah. So uh, thank you all for joining us. That is our episode on Sicario Day of the Soldado. Join us for our next episode when we will be talking about the Polish film from 2015, The Lure. We are going to have Leticia on the show again to talk about that. Uh, returning to the podcast uh, should be a very spirited discussion. So please join us for that, and we will see you next time. Have a good one.